Hi, I'm Alan Mead of the Dental Hacks Podcast, and this is Incisive Decisive. Incisive Decisive. Incisive Decisive. Dentistry. Ethics. Philosophy. It's episode three of Incisive Decisive. I'm Sean Sellers, a very bog standard practitioner. And with me is the leader, Colin Campbell. <laughs> See, that's smooth. That's smooth. That's smooth. That was smooth. That's smooth. That was smooth. But I think people will think this is a load of sycophantic shit if we keep up with that. Oh, really? Oh, okay. so, <laughs> I mean, it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah, well, yeah, yeah. To be. That's the, the reason va- I'm here. This is the vanity project. Yeah, okay. right. So we, we, we thought um, episode three is on leadership. Um, we thought we'd talk about leadership. And, and and one of the reasons that we thought we'd talk about that is because leadership is really, really trendy. Um, so I think leadership's always been a thing. Um, it just hasn't been called leadership in such a trendy way. So now everybody wants to be a leader. Um, it's a bit like five years ago, everybody wanted to be an entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah, that? yeah, yeah. And like entrepreneur was in songs and everything and people were saying, I'm, a, I'm 100% of an entrepreneur and all this kind of stuff. And they didn't really know what an entrepreneur was. And now it's about leadership, and and everybody wants to be a leader. And um, so recently, I know this has become a thing because mm. I think I can't remember how many times it is this year, but I've been asked to lecture on leadership at least four times this year, um, and I've never been asked to lecture on leadership before. How many times have you lectured on being a leader? Four times. Leader. You've actually done it four times. I've done it four times yeah, this year so far. And um, and. The, the the interesting thing about that is that I haven't become more or less of a leader this year. You're just year. the same, just, just exactly the same, the same. Thing. <laughs> same boring old thing. Um, yet the, the the requests for will you come and speak on the topic of leadership um, have have just arrived out of nowhere, and 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 always been one who's quite happy to talk on something that he's not qualified to talk about. Yeah, it's the only thing you are really qualified to talk about is the things that you don't nothing about. That, yeah. uh, we'll talk about Dunning Kruger effect, I'm sure, in in the future or in yeah. this podcast. Oh, even in this in leadership. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah. Because because leadership when when so I I would like to I, I like lecturing on subjects that I haven't lectured on before, um because it gives me the chance to work from home with my dog and pretend that I'm at work, and drink coffee and sit on my couch and and kind of research yeah, that stuff. Sounds like my kind of I job. Yeah, that is the gig that, that everyone that. wants. That <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And um, and so you can then start going into the whole leadership thing. Although I did do um a leadership course this year. Yeah. Yeah. I did a level seven so leadership m- course. Master's level. This is, is, that, this, is that master's level? Master's level, yeah. yeah fuck, Jesus. Yeah, you, could, you nearly got that master's. Oh, man alive. That's it. Without so, even knowing it. This so, is the last time you were saying, I've got so, a master's. Now, like, hang so, on. Yeah, so see the out. stuff I was talking about last time, which says, even if you do a master's degree, it doesn't mean you're very good. That's wrong. <laughs> I want to go back. Can I go back? Meanwhile, I'll edit that in. That's okay. Well, let me tell you how much of a fraud I actually am, but how I can convince myself that I'm not a fraud in terms of leadership. So one of the one of the true... Uh, characteristics of great leaders is the willingness to delegate mm-hmm. and so there were there were five I'm going to say five sessions five days on this level 7 leadership course five or six and I didn't go to two of them um, <laughs> but I managed to delegate it to members of my team that is oh, that is classic leadership there you go right. and so leadership 101 right so the so the so the I've done ethics 101 by the way have you yeah we'll talk about that oh, yeah, later, yeah, be when we get to prefix yeah 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 so the finance module of my leadership module, I sent the extraordinary woman who is Charlotte Harrison, who is our finance manager mm-hmm. in practice, mm-hmm. 
who is currently studying for her EAT uh, accountancy technician yeah. stuff, and is going to be a SEMA uh, chartered accountant in, in her practice. And for the HR module, um, I sent the extraordinary woman who is Haley Brown, who is my general manager, uh, who does all her HR. Mm-hmm. So I can convince myself that it was a good thing to send them. Yeah, because they're the ones that do it. But actually, because I was doing other stuff. Um, but so so we did do that. So so I did that to give us some, to try to give me some validity in the stuff that I was talking about in terms of leadership. But what I found is that the practical, or the theoretical basis of leadership is really dull. It's really dull and boring. And I think the greatest leaders, the ones that inspire, I don't think they understand the difference between transactional and transformational leadership. I think they just do it. That yeah, so it's uh, is the, is it an inherent thing that people have, or or is it? I don't think it's inherent. Learn? I don't because I, I don't believe anything. No, I was, I was about really. to say that was going to be my next. Is anything inherent, or can you teach anyone anything? <sighs> Gosh, that's that's, that's, a, that's another episode. Jeez. <laughs> so we so before we do that podcast, the next set of recordings, <laughs> um, read Bounce by Matthew Syed first, yeah, and yeah. then come back, right? Yeah. And and because I think we I think there's no absolutes, so I think there are. I think Roger Federer had some athletic ability, you know, some genetic predisposition which helped him. I think he. You think he's a better tennis player than you are? Mm, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, he's played tennis but, yeah. for a start. I didn't uh, go to private school. Um, <laughs> I, I did golf uh, as instead of doing rugby. Oh, That's nice the, work! High five! Yeah, and that wasn't. I mean, I did golf. It was hitting a few balls on a practice range, and then going for a hot chocolate. That was that, my, that, that, that is is my golf. golf. That is golf. That yeah, is golf. it's nineteen holes. Yeah, yeah, So, the predisposition for leadership? No, I don't think it is. I think mostly it's a collection of experience, and and how you learn from that experience, and whether you're prepared to learn from that experience. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. is what sets leaders up. I think it's a willingness to learn from things that go wrong, and. Um, and I think it's an it's an understanding of the anthropological basis of leadership. There you go. Wow, that's a good that one. Is. And the reason I'll I'll say that now is because the best books I like are the ones that tell me something that I already know, but just explain it better. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So Simon Sinek's book "Leaders Eat Last" masterpiece. But the "Leaders Eat Last" amazing because basically what happens in leadership is that is that the tribe elects an alpha, one way or another. It could be an alpha male, be an alpha female. It doesn't matter, right? But they elect an alpha one way or another. So they elect, in inverted commas, maybe the alpha's the strongest and wins a fight. Maybe they push the alpha out to be the alpha. It doesn't matter. The alpha gets elected, by, accepted and elected by the tribe in one way or another. And so he then protects the tribe from danger, one way or another. So... In, 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 in the animal kingdom he might protect them from predators he might lead them to a place of safety he might do stuff like that in, in, in our world he might provide them with their wages right, or, an, or a good environment to work in or safety from external threats but, the, but the, real, the real flip side understanding the counterintuitive understanding that people don't get about leadership is that the leader protects the tribe therefore the tribe protects the leader and, and the reason that happens is because the tribe know that they won't be here were it not for the leader. Yep. And, and so when they see the leader in trouble or distress, then they rally around and protect. And that is the wonderful flip side of leadership. And so that book explained that to me, and I, I kind of knew that, um, 
in, in my little, tiny little corner of the world, I kind of understood that, but it was that book that actually clarified it, and it's a wonderful piece of work. And so the problem we have, a problem we have in dentistry at the moment is a, just a massive, massive dearth of leadership. We just have so few people who genuinely will stand up for the tribe because I also think at the moment that very few people believe that the tribe will protect them back. Uh, probably for good reason in some cases. Yeah, the guys who... You, you can't. You don't get to call yourself a leader. No, no. You have to be. That, that is a uh, title that is uh, foisted upon you, isn't it? It's bestowed upon yeah. you. It's kind of like respect. Mm -hmm. mm. So you can't mm. buy respect. Respect is earned. It's only and leadership is earned through your actions and through what you do mm. and through your self-sacrifice. Yep. So there are. I, I store up countless stories of leadership examples. But on the way here today, so this will already have gone out, you search back, there's a blog called um, What Came Home, and it's about the England football team, mm -hmm. right? And um, because, and it's a, it's, a, it's a great blog, that one. It's a great one. I'm really proud of it, which is generally the ones that get no attention. But um, <laughs> Gareth Southgate showed extraordinary leadership yeah. through the World Cup and, and in, in his time. And people will write much better than me about this, and I suspect Matthew Syed will do that. But um, he taught the team, and to appoint the fans, and then the country supporting back home, humility. That's the difference between this England team and the countless ones that have come before, is he taught them humility. And he understood humility because of what happened to him mm. in the past. Mm -hmm. And that is leadership, right? And he is a leader. And and I'm a Scotsman, and I would follow Gareth Southgate, <laughs> right? And so when we talk about, or I talk about leadership and about leading dental teams, the simplest little things um, are the most important things. So the, the leading by example, the being prepared to do things and not asking someone to do something that you wouldn't do yourself, but also putting yourself in danger. And and, and one of the concepts we talk about, I'm doing a lot of talking in this yeah, session. One of the concepts we talk about is, um, I talk about is clinical leadership. And we use a case of a, a lady that came to see me with a, a, a pigmented lesion. So if, in case you're not a dentist, so, so like a, a tattoo, a stain on the gum. And she had been, a dentist had seen her on the Friday and said they needed to refer her to hospital quickly because they didn't know where it was. And she had been hysterical for the whole weekend. And she'd been online, which is always the worst thing. Doctor Google, yeah, probably on, great idea. Brother, Facebook, Facebook. <laughs> see previous I've got this. I've got this. Uh, what is this? And it was, it was filling. It was an amalgam tattoo, and I, and I saw it and I knew it was. But I said, "That's an amalgam tattoo. I'm going to take an X-ray. There's going to be amalgam there, and there is. I'm going to send you home. You're going to mm -hmm. forget about this for the rest of your life." And there was amalgam there, and we sent her home. Now, I guess there's a chance there wasn't. Yep. Yeah. Right. But the best thing to do for that lady then was to say, and it, well, I, I'm right, I know I'm right, but but you have to you have to stand up. You have to say, I'm going to take responsibility for this. I'm going to make you better. That's clinical leadership. It's not it's not only clinical leadership. It's ethical leadership as well. Mm -hmm. I think um, as a profession, we have a a bit of an ethical issue with with regards to 
who's going to take not necessarily take control, but who we look up to as as a leader in in our. And we've we've t- talked about this previously with the Facebook bits and, and with and with who is who do we look towards to guide our careers and what kind of areas we are we are looking to enhance ourselves in. But but from the point of view as, for, of of patience, we as practitioners are the experts. And they will look to us to to guide them. We are their leaders of their treatment, if that makes any sense. Yeah. What happened in this lady's case was she saw somebody that she hadn't seen before in the same practice that she usually went to on the Friday. And instead of sitting back for a minute and thinking about it and looking at it or getting somebody else in from the practice to see it or sharing it, they took the lane of least resistance. And the lane of least resistance was the lane of greatest, greatest destruction to other people apart mm-hmm. from them. Mm-hmm. So just follow that train through. So that woman was psychologically damaged as a result of that weekend, I can promise you. And also, it had gone to the NHS. It had gone on the right. two-week wait. So that bounces somebody else off the mm-hmm. two-week wait who might have a tumour to the next one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's just a whole catalogue of disaster when, in fact, if the person who'd seen them originally had said... I don't know who that is. Let's get somebody else. I don't know what it is. Let's get somebody yeah, yeah. else and have a look. For for the dentists who are listening, it was it was a lapper lateral incisor, so that it was a bridge, so it was oh, above okay. that. Yeah. So there's no tooth there. So the tooth's come out because it's had an apicectomy, and that's where the amalgam's yeah. come from. It's dead. It, it, when you follow the line through, it's simple, isn't it? But take an X-ray. But there's just no, and all through, and and you can you can blame the fear of, um, of regulation and the fear of repercussion and all of that stuff. But that's what leadership's about. It's standing up against the fear and saying, I will take responsibility but for do this. You, do you think also it's, going again, going back to earlier, it's it's that, that training deficit as well? Because not only do they, they don't recognise that that tooth has probably had an apicectomy and had gone mad and tattoo and whatnot, they are they don't have the, the ability to, to make that diagnosis. Therefore, that leaves them flapping. So they don't, they can't control themselves really. They're, and their go-to is write pen and paper, mm. rather than let's ask someone else who I trust. Yeah. Because actually, that's another sign of weakness, and I can't be shown to be yeah. weak. Yeah. And actually, the the, the 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 greatest leaders that you you will you would be able to hang your hat on the ones that you would say you know and the the, the mythical ones, the real heroes there. They're just famed for the advice that they would take, mm. for their humility, for their ability to say, I don't know that, I need to turn somewhere else for help. And actually saying, I don't know, is probably one of the best things we can say. It's massive. That's, it's, the, it's it's that's the ones that I trust. Yeah. When I go for healthcare, that's the people that I would trust. Mm. Not this, not the bullish person who says it's all this and it's all that. Um, and so, so I, think, I think leadership, I, I think, so clinical leadership is one thing, but I think overall... I, the question is, who do you look up to in dentistry? And that's a difficult one because there's not a lot in, in in my periscope. There's not a lot that I see that I think I'd like to be like that. So, why do you think? Why do you think that is? I don't know, and 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 it, and maybe it's a feeling in me. Mm-hmm. Hey, maybe it's maybe it's, it's because it's... you're so big-headed and, <laughs> and arrogant. <laughs> it may be. <laughs> well, it may sound conceited, but I'm just looking. I mean, there are guys that I do. Yeah. But not not as many as I should, and and the problem is that the guys at the top of our organisations, the guys at the top of our indemnity companies, the guys at the top of our of our association, of our union, of our 
the presidents of our associations. <sighs> Not many of them that are that I'm really happy with. For me, the people that I look up to are often the people that that don't shout particularly loudly. Yeah. So, I think we mentioned previously um, Brian Miller, Professor mm -hmm. Miller at, at King's, I think he is, doing some really good research, really fantastic practitioner, works in hospital, so he's not... He's not out there posting his Facebook page. Got one. <laughs> exactly, exa exactly that. He's yeah. not posting his stuff on Instagram. Yeah. Um, you look at you look at my um, my ethics tutor, Hoda Wasif is fantastic. She's got an MCLIN dent in Pete's. She um, she teaches uh, ethics and law with Linda Cruz, who's fantastic. Yeah. Um, she. Also teaches the dental education masters at Beds. She does um, essentially all the dental, all the the, the non clinical dentistry stuff, uh, um, postgraduate stuff at Beds, and it's amazing. But no, she doesn't get any recognition. Mm. She probably doesn't want the, that kind of recognition. Yeah. But actually, from a from a affecting the profession point of view, yeah, she's a massive the, difference. The absolute kind of person that people need to be listening yeah. to. Len's very good as well. Len Len's. Linda Cruz is one of those people who doesn't shout very loudly, mm -hmm. but every single word he yeah, utters is is worth listening to. Yeah. A lot of time yeah. for him. Yeah, and I have to sort of pull back from the defense in, in the defense because he's one of the guys. He's in the yeah. that's brilliant. And there are guys like John Gibson, who's a, a, a long-standing hero of mine. You mm -hmm. know, who, who he's prof of, uh, of of medicine in relation to dentistry, University of Glasgow. Um, and, and you know he was chairman of conduct at GDC and then chairman of dental protection so he's sat on both sides of that and there are guys that do that but there's too few people that are contributing there's too few people who are um, making a difference to dentistry do you think that's because the people that I don't know phrase this the people that are shouting the loudest the, the Facebook dentists, they're, they're the ones that people see and actually they're quite intimidating mm. and actually breaking into that that higher echelon is really tricky because you can be doing some really good work and you can be you can be getting on and you're actually you're disseminating that information as we discussed before in your little group yeah but taking that to that extra stage breaking yeah. breaking that that sort of almost invisible barrier is quite tricky without going onto the self-promotion route. Without yeah, it, it's really hard to strike a balance between that because when you start to try to promote your message podcast, um, <laughs> invariably to some people you just look like a dick, yeah. and and they switch off. And there's so much noise, and so we were going to talk. I guess we're going to talk about that prefix concept that we we invented in in the practice. It's trademarked now, and. Um, I don't know if it is yet. I hope it is. And uh, but the, you know, we I had to. I'm very bad at um, doing the money thing in dentistry. I I have such a horrible pathological disregard for money. It's just it's 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 really serious. And um, and so I had to develop a concept where I felt as if I was doing the right thing, but I also had a business that didn't die. Mm -hmm. And so we had to balance profit and ethics and we invented this prethics thing, which is like a linear analog scale. And we tried to position ourselves on the right place on that scale, not too close to profit, but not too close to ethics, because mm -hmm. if mm -hmm. we don't pay attention to both. And I think you have to 
look at that when you are assessing the people whose message you are listening to, who you are deciding whether or not they might be a leader. Because I think you have to try and position them on the scale. It's a very easy, it's a very easy tool that yeah. you can just yeah. go, where, where are they? You know, if 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 you did it as a visual analog scale, profit would be number one and ethics would be number ten, and you can just see where do we think this guy is, and if and you know you can have a cut off because if they're if they're if they're too far towards the ten, uh, sorry, too far towards towards the one towards towards the profit, it just isn't compatible with um, the provision of, of decent healthcare, and 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 then and what I mean by leaders is I mean the guys that are going to. Promote the fact that enough's enough that you you know you're earning enough money, more has to go back into the profession. People have to volunteer to be, you know, to be in positions of leadership within the profession, whether it's in the BDA or whether it's in the local dental committee or whether it's in the uh, the, the Association of Dental Implantology or the ITI or whatever it is. We have to just play our part just a little bit, um, um. Because that engaged guys in those places where they're not necessarily getting paid anything, but they're contributing their expertise, their time, their brain, it's really important. Um, and there's just not enough people doing that. And even in some of these organisations, it's clear that the only reason people are doing it is to promote themselves and not actually for the benefit. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna mention key opinion leaders. Oh, now. don't Jesus! <laughs> <laughs> and so there's no such thing as a key opinion leader. That's a thing. No, 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 no. I. I can Google them now. They really that are. Is, there isn't. That's that's a thing that was made <laughs> up by people, and and generally a person who is a key opinion leader, um, has has um, given themselves the title of key opinion leader. There's was, no such thing as key opinion leader. I was um, I talked to um, a high level rep in a well known uh, dental supplies company a few years ago. What, what do you have to do to be a, a key opinion leader? And their answer was buy a lot of our products. Yeah, that's exactly, exactly it. it. That's exactly it. The very fact that you want to be a key opinion leader should automatically exclude you from ever becoming one. And therefore that circle's then shut. And the other acronym, uh, acronym is um, KPI, so it's, it's uh, um, Key Person Influence. <laughs> yeah. And I was unfortunate enough to be part of a lecture recently um, not part of and in the audience of a lecture where someone was teaching you how to be a KPI using social media. So how to invent, oh, really? how to invent yourself. You'll to you'll never you'll never do it. I don't I, think your your social media presence is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, because I have a banner on Facebook that says I don't do Facebook. <laughs> yeah. The um the uh, there's another there's another concept if you want if you're if you're really keen to to use these things and bandy them about the better concept is thought leader, mm -hmm. local thought leader. So a local thought leader would have been um, Malcolm Pendlebury. Yeah. Okay, right? Yeah. So mm -hmm. he was a, he's a bit of an old hero of mine, Malcolm. Um, and he, you know, get people that you can turn to for advice and that where, where that advice might be how to do a case or where to get advice about a case or I've got a GDC case mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. I'm really struggling because dentistry's been a bit shit to me at the moment. Can you help? That's a local thought leader, right? That's leadership. And and you know, guys, anybody who anybody, we're all in a leadership position in one way or another in different parts of yeah, our yeah, life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, very much right. so. And you might not be a leader at work, but you might be a leader at home, and you might be a leader. You might coach your boys' football team, or your scout troop, or your dude, or whatever it is you might do. But the the the, the greatest leaders and local thought leaders are the ones that do that role and just don't need to talk about it.
And I think one of the issues that we have, and we as people, not necessarily we as, as dentists, is that we we value certain leadership positions much more than others. And to a certain extent, we will, if you have someone that's being very supportive in a role, that is seen as being less of a, of a, of a position than the person who's at the, at the, yeah, the head. Yeah. And I suppose it, we should probably talk about black box thinking that with regards to this and how the influence of those supporters as well will affect the leadership or we should be allowing it to. So your dental team, your nurse should be able to influence oh, yeah. what the way that, yeah. that things are done. Yeah, flat hierarchies and yeah, all absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yeah, and and I think in clinical practice that's that's really important. So I think that you know I think in in, in running a clinical environment, I think the first thing that that the boss has to do is to be able to step aside mm-hmm. and and uh, and and allow people to 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 become empowered. So that if you you know if you're not working somewhere where your dental nurse is allowed to make comment on what's happening. Um, you're, you're in the wrong yeah. place, you know. and because yeah, we all have our we all have our area of expertise. We have actually, as, as dentists, we have quite a narrow mm. area of expertise, and sometimes just being a dentist is difficult enough. Actually, I don't want to be the person that has to worry about the finance, the mm-hmm. the, the X, the Y, the Z. Let me do just do what I want. Yeah, and I'm, I'm actually I'm okay at doing this bit. Yeah, um, I'm not very good at doing this, and that even during your clinical time, I can't I can't physically give OHI. Mm-hmm. I'm shit at it yeah. because I, I'm just patronising and I, I, I don't want to be patronised as patients. We've, I work with a, a couple of really good hygienists. So every patient that I see as a new patient will get to see one of our hygienists to go through OHI, really intensive OHI. Yeah. I th- I think because in, I can't do it. I think in general um, dentists shouldn't do anything to do with hygiene. No. I don't think they should because I don't think they value it enough as a procedure. So I think they should give it to somebody that values it. But actually then that cascades throughout dentistry and I think we must be much better at understanding the parts of dentistry that we're not good at and giving that to me and letting him give his stuff to us even just within a practice if you don't like endo just get the guy next door absolutely and I think um, this is probably diverting from our our original concept what we're talking about but I think orthodontics are doing that a little bit with the, the coming of orthodontic therapists Yes, and you've got now got your hygiene therapists as well that've been on the go for quite a while, and I can see in the future that developing. So yeah. theoretically, you could have an implant therapist. Yeah, yeah, you could. So you could have you putting the implant in, and you've got um, your specialist restorative um, guy planning it, but someone else actually screwing the implants in. Yeah, and that's fairly you know for your um, single implant. Uh, crowns and your say your simple three unit bridges ship them off to your therapist to sort out for the complex work get the 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 real expert on the complex work there's no question that that's what's going to happen and um where we are um so so in our place as an example uh our nurses so i they take all the ct scans that's the Mm -hmm. start they can intraoral scan using an intraoral scanner so you can take all the impressions um, so we can take the impressions for study models. Um, they can take any impressions. Um, they can remove sutures. Mm-hmm. Do that. Do the clinical photography. Get all the post-op instructions. Dispense the medications. Down to a prescription. So there's all sorts of stuff that we've pushed out. And we've used a competency-based model for that. And so, which we invented because there wasn't one. 
um, and we just said, here's a teaching session on suture removal, which we deliver, mm -hmm. get 20 signed off, and then you're competent. That's what we do. Yeah. And so because there isn't one of those already, you can't do it wrong. Um, <laughs> and so it's whether or not... Enough so you've got the best competency model possibly in the country, if not the world. Uh, we are, certainly. Yeah, exactly. We have, yeah, <laughs> as far as we're concerned. But the thing about that is that they're working within their competency. Yeah, exactly that. Because we've shown it. But you're increasing their skill levels. And, so and it's so exciting for them. Engagement and work. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. and freeing me up to do other yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. And, and so... Um, so, so Example, um, you know, when we and we use that with young clinicians in the practice too, because we have a an apprentice clinician model mm -hmm. for implant dentistry, which we've got two people have gone through now, and so and one of those is Beatrice Sanchez, who's oh, yeah, amazing, sure, yeah, yeah. and so she's now placing a hundred implants a year, having come into the practice um, not having placed any, and uh, and so 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 she um, so the way that worked at the start was patient comes in for an implant surgical procedure. I say, hi, everything okay? This is Beatrice going to get you all frozen up and ready. Beatrice freezes her up. The nurses set up the surgery. I come back down, open it up, put the implant in, close it and say, how was that? Was everything all right? These guys are going to do all your post-op instructions, et cetera, et cetera. I go away and dictate case notes. And then with the, it develops. Then I say to the patient, three months later, I say to the patient, Beatrice is going to get you ready, open the flap up and get everything ready and then I'll come down and do it. Beatrice is going to drill the first hole and then I'll come down and do it. Beatrice is going to do all of this. She's going to shout me if she needs me. Um, I'm not in the practice. And that's how it develops. Same with the nursing team. And so setting up the concept for that, that's leadership. Yeah, yes, and, and that is such a different way of approaching practice than is standard, is normal, is is taught how to do things. Yeah. There's there's a current, I don't know if it's push, but it, there's, there's a... Um, there's there's an idea floating around that that dental training's going to change. Mm, the Liverpool model. Yeah. Mm. What, do you, what, what do you think about that? Um, I, I wrote a little bit about it on a blog, and Callum Youngson emailed me. And <laughs> is this going to be edited out? <laughs> no, 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 it's not. It's not. It's dead good. It was a dead good image. Yeah. He's, he's some guy. He's a, he's a he would be a hero. Um, he he's great. Um, and so I think the way that it's been promoted through Health Education England is not entirely the way the concept is. Okay. So, so look, just refer back to, you know, if you haven't already listened to episode two, then I would highly advise you to go back to it. Um, but, the, um, but we talked about, you know, mediocre dentists. Mm -hmm. So there's no question in my practice that um, I've, got, I've got members of my nursing team that are much more valuable than some of the NHS associate dentists around. And I, 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 they're, they're much more valuable. They're on brand. They're resourceful. Use your initiative. They're skilled, um, and so if you're telling me that, you know, just just because I as a dentist, or just because I, I did this, um, you know, I should be separated out from this person or that person. I'm I'm afraid that's not true anymore, and and you know, if you give me you give me a, a committed therapist, it wouldn't take as long. To exactly this. So, a dentist. so I've I've seen a lot of the criticisms. Of, of this Liverpool model. And the idea of the Liverpool model um, is that you get a cohort and they all train up to, I think, hygiene therapist level, don't yeah. they? And then they take, they skim off the good ones. The, yeah, the top ones from that to train fully as, as dentists. And then they skim off the top ones of those to go into specialty. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Pretty uh, much. I think that's the way it yeah, works. Yeah. And you can also, the, the theory, I think the principle behind it is you can, you can just pull an endo module off of here or you can pull yep. a, that, right? Yeah. Um, I think the, that's just a really interesting chat, isn't it? Philosophically, a really interesting position going forwards. 
and and I, I guess you're not going to get any complaints from me because I had the lowest grades in my year going to dental school, right? Out of a cohort of 72. And then in 1989, in Scotland, you, you didn't need massively good results to get into dental mm-hmm. school. It was an A three Bs at higher. I failed my higher maths. And I got into dental school on an unconditional. So I ended up in there with all the A guys. Mm. So A levels. You, you don't have to be that intellectually smart to be a dentist, no. I don't think. There are no. other softer skills that are probably more valuable. And, and you have to have a level of intelligence yeah. to get through the academic mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. But you, more than that, you have to want it, yeah. and you have to graft. And and you know, I, 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 there are there's no such thing as extraordinary people. There's just ordinary people doing extraordinary things. I think some of the criticism of this, I'm going to get off the Liverpool model in in a bit. Um, I think some of the criticism has has been there because we think we the dentists view the world from dentist eyes, and it's a bit of a protectionist sort of thing. We are dentists. We should be judging the way that we do things. We should be doing this. We should be doing that. And actually, from if you look at things from a wider perspective, from a patient's point of view, if you're going to go in to have some health care, who do you want to be treated by? So you're doing, you're doing routine health care that, that anyone with a qualification can do. Fine, no problem. But you're having something more complicated done. Do you want one of a large set of people that are all could could all be mediocre don't you don't know or do you want a smaller subset of people that have been shown to be better well cardioversion for atrial fibrillation is a nurse procedure in hospital right yeah so my mate's a cardiologist um in in nottingham Um, my father-in-law recently had a cardioversion that's a nurse procedure right you stop your heart and start Mm -hmm. it again Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about a film. Mm, no, yeah. <laughs> if cardioversion can be a nurse procedure, yeah. you can't tell me that I can't train nurses to do a CIRIC. Absolutely. And with with training in general, the only real way, because we don't know, the answer is we don't know. We don't know is fine. But the only real way is to, is to trial it. Yes, it is. And you trial it. And if, and if by whatever means you choose to measure the success or failure of that, it's proven to be better or worse, then you know. And if it's better, right, well, we should be doing that. Yeah. If it's not better, well, that's fine. Because you can, you can retrain those, and you haven't lost a great deal. So here's, 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 the, here's the funny thing. When I went into the practice that I'm in now that's now the clinic, um, I was the only one that did implants. And I was the big I am, you know, and, and that and that you could strut around and you were the implant mm-hmm. guy, and that's what you did. Let me just count this off the top of my head now, though. But there's one, two, three, four, five. There's six of us in there that have placed implants now. One, not very many, mm-hmm. because it's not that special placing implants, right? So I can say that because I've placed five thousand. Yeah, right. You can teach anybody to place mm-hmm. implants. You absolutely can teach anybody. And that's what dentistry has to understand. There's an arrogance associated with implants or straightening teeth or... Dentistry or, in general. But it's, it is not that special, right? Um, it's, a, it's a recipe. It's a learned skill. Exactly that. And it's it's that... Um, we were talking in previous episodes about protocolization, which I think I may have just made up. 
Yeah, but it's it's, yeah, it's good word though. Yeah, it's like but, learning to back ability. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but if you if you've got a procedure and you're doing that procedure the same way day in day out, yeah. you get good at it. Yeah, you do. You, it's like you pick up a guitar. I've been playing guitar for uh, since I was fifteen, so twenty something years, and you naturally get good at it. But you need to be able to view back and work out right what has gone wrong, what hasn't gone wrong. How do we how do we improve? Yeah. And then that's how things get better mm-hmm. yeah it is. there's plenty of dentists that have done 5,000 amalgams that are not very good at it yeah. <laughs> because they never thought whether they were good at it or not yeah. um, and to be in a situation um, to, to, to be intellectually honest enough with yourself to allow other people to look at your work and criticise it so you can learn that's leadership that's true leadership right? and, it, and it's scary oh it's terrifying it's ter- yeah but leadership is terrifying. That's what you sign up for in leadership, isn't it? That was Incisive Decisive on leadership. I hope you enjoyed it. See you soon. Well, that's it for another episode of Incisive Decisive. If you like what we're doing, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast provider of choice. If you've got a question for us or want to give us any kind of feedback, then there are loads of ways that you can contact us. Email us at info at incisivedecisive.com. We're also on Twitter at IncisivePod, and we're lurking around Facebook as well. Do tell your friends, family, colleagues, and everyone you know about what we're doing. And if, like Alan, you want to do us a little intro, then just email something over to us. Our intro music is Grave Robber by the insanely talented Gallops. Listen to more of their music at gallopsgallops.com. We'll see you on the next Incisive Decisive. Next time on Incisive Decisive. There was a case of someone who tried to, 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 to defraud their way onto the GDC. Everyone in this profession, whether they be dentist, nurse, hygienist, whatever, knows someone or has been through yeah. that process. Yeah. All, I can almost guarantee that. Yeah. Let's try and use our skills, our funding, the, the people that we've got here, the good people, and turn them around and turn them into good, honest clinicians 